And welcome to another edition of the Nerdy Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Pedersen, with my one brother and fellow nerd here today, Josh. Whoa. And a special guest, lender, mortgage aficionado, some call him, Brian Meredith. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me. Agents in the beach. Ages in the He's beach. Just He's in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina Beach. You know something about that? I do. I've been there a lot of times. Josh used to live in in South Carolina. For those who didn't know for a little while, if you ever need tips, let me know. Today we are going to talk about the demise of Silicon Valley Bank. If you haven't been living under a rock, you already kind of know about it. And the ripple effect it did have on the mortgage industry, namely yesterday, um, and then also what the CPI numbers looked like when they were re- released today. But should we do start, a would you rather with a living under a rock at some point here? We should, yeah, at some point. Would you rather have a house under a rock or... In the ocean? Like, I don't know, <laughs> but we could probably play with that. Wait, we have a really good would you rather today, though. The would you rather of the week. Would you rather be a Yankees fan living in Minnesota or a Twins fan living in Minnesota? I'd rather die than be a Yankees fan. <laughs> <laughs> I love There's, being a Yankees fan in Minnesota. <laughs> For, it's a guaranteed win. <laughs> there you go. I can't. I can't do it, no. Brian, Brian is a Yankees fan, so we thought we'd... Oh, I we'd, didn't know that. We'd That's go really after funny. You didn't know he was a Yankees fan? No, are you from New York or something? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Okay, then you have an excuse to be a Yankees fan. I, I one time, i tell you a story. I was at a playoff game one time, and uh, this guy walked up the game. It was a Twins-Yankees... walks into a stadium. A guy walks into a stadium. <laughs> it's a Twins-Yankees playoff game. This is like 10 years ago, and still the Yankees were dominating us. But he had on, uh, I think it was a Yankees jersey, uh, Lakers hat, and a, <laughs> it was something like ridiculous, right? And someone just turned and yelled at him. was like, I bet you're a Red Wings fan, too. <laughs> and it was the best because this guy was just the rooting for all of the frontrunner teams. But Brian, at least, is from New York, so exactly. I'll, I'll give him a pass. And if I, he wasn't, I, I'd be all over And him. I will say, I would rather be a Yankees fan living in Minnesota than a Packers fan living in Minnesota. Wow. I just want to say that's I, I don't. I don't know. That's a tough one. Uh, I can't like either of those two. That's true. That's tough. But, you know, sometimes we go on darkness retreats and... We might come out of them. <laughs> Let's I, get it. Let's get it. I did it. that last night before I came here. You did. Darkness <laughs> retreat. Just yeah, for 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it. Um, to start, I want to talk about Silicon Valley Bank. As we had said, for those who are living under a rock, uh, give them a breakdown what happened this last week. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been all over the news. It's a really big deal when it comes to the world of economics and finance and banking. Um, essentially, what happened is Silicon Valley Bank, uh, they took in deposits from their customers. They invested those into these uh, treasury bonds that we've been talking a lot about, how they've been fluctuating as the Fed has been raising the interest rates. And as the interest rates went up, the value of those bonds went down pretty significantly. And so they found themselves in a position where if they were going to sell all those bonds, they'd be upside down. What happened then was their customers, because there are a lot of more Silicon Valley, Valley companies, as the rates went up, people needed more capital. And so they started to withdraw these deposits. And because of the way banks work, they don't actually have the cash that you put in the bank all just sitting around in a vault like you'd think they would in the movies. Uh, and so when the customers all came to deposit the money or pull the money out of, from their deposits, uh, they ran out of money. And the only way that they could try to get the free capital to pay these people who deposited the money in their bank was to try to sell these bonds. But the bonds had lost so much value that they no longer had the ability to do that and get all the liquid capital to make that happen. And so... They basically went from having money and doing well to having nothing within a very short period of time. Uh, And it opened up a lot of, uh, I guess, concerns that the activity the Fed has been taking in terms of raising the interest rates 
could be having similar impacts on other banks and could cause a massive ripple effect within the entire banking system. Namely, namely the smaller banks. Correct. correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, the concern with banking in general is that if you create fear within the customer base or within the, the populace and people will go to the bank and try to withdraw their money because they're afraid the bank won't have any money anymore. It's called a run on the banks. And so when that happens, uh, it creates a big problem because the banks aren't holding all that money. The way banks make money is they take your money in and they, they give you a little bit of interest on it and then they do something else with it to make more money than they're getting and giving you an interest. And so it creates this lending cycle that if people actually want to withdraw their money, the entire system would collapse. So the, the government stepped in over the weekend and tried to calm the fears of people not all going to the bank at one time and trying to pull their money out because that would destroy the entire system uh, by saying that they would back any deposits over this $250,000 limit that they currently have at an FDIC insured. So uh, it did seem to slow things yesterday. Uh, people, it doesn't seem like there was a massive run on a bunch of banks. There's a couple other banks that closed. Um, they were a lot of crypto banks, things like that. Uh, but at this point, it does feel like at least the widespread panic from last week and the weekend has subsided a little bit. And so when we woke up on, on Monday, it was already kind of determined the government was going to back the deposits and that was going to be... They announced, I think, Sunday night. Yeah, that was going to be good for everybody. And then we had kind of a ripple effect into the mortgage industry and specifically interest rates. So give us kind of a rundown on what happened with those, Brian. So we had a pretty strong rally from Friday and Monday. Um, you know, you sort of think about um, risk off versus risk on investing and as the market you know usually they move inversely right so equities bonds mortgage-backed securities so we saw probably a three-quarter point rate improvement from thursday to monday afternoon which is pretty significant that's a big run yeah that's large yeah so what we've <clears throat> seen and we've talked about this in the podcast a lot is that a lot of the activity happening within the two-year, 10-year treasury, five-year treasury yield space, those move in conjunction with some of the expectations about what's going to happen with the Fed rate increases. And so the Fed rate increases have continued to be expected to go up, up, up. But as this happened, there's a new level of concern that the Fed's rising interest rates is causing a ripple effect within the banking community. And that if they just keep doing what they're doing, they could create more catastrophic damage within the banking system. And so... The 10-year, I think specifically, and Brian, correct me if you feel differently about this, but it feels like the 10-year reacted and pulled back on Monday specifically because they felt like the Fed was learning from the Silicon Valley Bank thing and going, oh, shoot, we may be doing too much too soon. And that if we keep going at this pace, we're going to cause more bank failures. And so I think the investors are assuming the Fed may slow back some of their activity, and that's what's causing some of the pullback within the 10-year. Um, and obviously more people are fleeing securities because they're afraid of what's going on. So they'll push their money to the 10 year, which is going to drive the price down. But then that flows through to the interest rates and the impact we're seeing there. And you can kind of think of it as <clears throat> also that the 10 year is forward looking. So it's not real time, right? So it's, you know, they're pricing in stuff for what their expectation of what the fed is doing two, three, four yep. meetings ahead. So as that moves with those expectations. And yeah. so that's why the Fed talks so much as, as much as they do is because they would rather the markets correct themselves than have the Fed correct the markets because it's just easier from a policy perspective to not have those implemented, let the markets correct themselves than having to actually step in and do something. Has the Fed said anything about Silicon Valley Bank yet? Uh, no. I mean, Yellen came out and said that at first, she was like, we're not going to save you. And then they were like, just kidding. 
We are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have to. So, yeah, we it's have to. It's the same thing. Like, yeah, we talk about stress tests when they're in our fantasy yeah. draft. And yeah. like that book is like Tim Geithner, who was the secretary of treasury, same job as Yellen has now, talked about that. A lot, a lot of people want these banks to just fail because they feel angry, right? That this is happening and that banks are taking these stances and doing some things that kind are kind of understandably. Are totally, that right? About like, it. There's yeah. a lot of videos from even 2008, like Elizabeth Warren yelling at people because she was so mad that these banks did these things. Uh, the downside, though, is like they're too, if they fail, it's too catastrophic yeah. for the whole system and everyone loses. So as mad as you are that banking execs are doing some of these things, you kind of have to save them to save everything else. Think Great Depression. Yeah. Right? Like as you had this huge, massive stock market collapse, people were lining up at banks to try and get their money. And they're like, yeah, no, we don't have There's that. There's none. Yeah. yeah. It's not here. Too no, big to fail. You're like... So, it was yeah <laughs> i want to i want to unpack for those who can't that don't fully understand why rates pulled back so much because of this a little bit more so is the only reason that rates pulled back three because three quarters is like massive whoa, that's massive. like the biggest drop i've seen in yep. ever almost yep. right over a quarter three eighths in a week but like not in a day three quarters in a matter of like three days yeah no crazy so yeah. low the um, 10-year yield, I think, went from, or the two-year yield went from 5% to under 4, four. Yeah, in less than three days. So, yeah. But is the only reason, because this bank failed because of what people think is the Fed being too aggressive with their policies, so now the Fed can't be aggressive? Is it the only reason we lost three quarters of a point on the 30-year Well, if you think rate? about <clears throat> some of the, what Silicon Valley Bank had done was investing in treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. But they were getting in at levels of like two, three percent, and that was their return on investment. And as rates go up, if you're at six, seven, right, you have to sell that at a discount if you need to liquidate, because you're not going to be able to get somebody to invest in something or buy that security because it hasn't matured enough. Mm -hmm. And so you're really, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, the Fed is really like putting the, you know, there's a lot of other banks gap, that are in right? this position, maybe. Yeah. And so that's why, <clears throat> but also mortgage-backed securities and treasuries are actually relatively safe, provided you're not in a, like a weird rate, like rapid rate increase environment, right? So Silicon Valley Bank actually was trying to do the right thing, the right thing, yeah. right? But they were just, they just missed the mark by not liquidating those positions nine months ago, right? Yeah. Like, so that's where they kind of really missed the boat. In the absence of a run on liquidity, they would have actually been just fine. Yeah, in five to seven years, they would have been fine. Great. They would have been they would have been net neutral. It just would have taken them a long time to get back to net neutral comparably to how long it should Correct. have taken Think about them. this way. If you buy something at an interest rate of 3%, you're getting 3% forever, right? That seems really good to you. But if the rate on that same thing, someone new can buy it and get 5%, they're not going to buy it from you at the same price that you paid for it when you were getting 3%. So the value of your bond that was returning 3% is lower than what you paid for it because they're saying, I don't need yours. I'll just go buy a new one at 5%. Mm -hmm. And that's what drove the inversion here um, in terms of the valuation. But it's more of a book valuation. The 3% was still guaranteed to them forever, whatever they had these bonds at. Mm -hmm. um, but because they needed the free cash to pay off the people who were coming to take their money out of the bank, they had to sell that at a huge loss. Yeah. It, was it was essentially like a 20, to simplify a $20 billion dollar loss mm -hmm. yep. is what they were going to like actualize on their books. Even though they had an asset that was guaranteed 3% or whatever <laughs> yeah. forever, right? It's, it's a really oh, weird phenomenon. But it's time, time versus you know, money, time value, right? So like 
those would eventually pay off and you'd make money on them, but you have to hit a break even before that happens. Before you yep. pay them off. But that would also speak to sort of the fact of why inventorying housing is difficult is because of what you were saying that like, why would I move to something else at 6% or 7% of an interest rate when I have it at two and a half, three, three. It's like the inverse reality of what we're dealing with in the real estate market. Why we don't have any supply. Mm -hmm. Yep. And do we think, last question before we get into CPI, do we think that the Fed now will be less aggressive because of this happening? In their next meeting, do you think that I think they're still going to I think they're still going to go a quarter. I just don't think they're going to go a half. Like they were people were pricing in a half. I don't think that that's on the table anymore. I still think they're going to go a quarter. I think they're probably going back and evaluating the reality of the different banks in the country and saying, if we do X, Y, and Z, how many more of these are potentially going to happen to us? And they're maybe calling on some of the banks and saying, what are you going to look like if we do do this? They're probably going to be doing a lot of research. Well, the odd thing is that. The a Fed chair, it was the her district where that bank failed, and they had a stress test like two weeks before, and they were like, "You're fine." <laughs> At SVB, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and I'm like, "How is it that you missed the mark so much that you like in your own district, and you're sitting on the Fed?" That is bad. Like you had no idea. Yeah, like that's weird. Mm-hmm. It's mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Um, so let's get into, not to get too into the weeds on the nerdy stuff. Cause that is, that is, that's one of the nerdier topics I think we have talked about. If anyone has questions though, and isn't following that, and there's ways that we can say that more simply to you, reach out to us because it's important to be able to simplify these things for people and at least know what's going on or what happened. Because it, this is actually a really important reality of what occurred. And it's also really relevant for what's going to continue to happen within the industry. Let's, let's, I, we're going to get CPI. I want to just throw out an easy script for people. Cause I was um, if you're with a buyer, let's just say today, and you know they ask about interest rates, how can you talk about this without being too much in depth like we talked about and make it as simple as possible? I just said to them, I said, if you haven't heard, this Silicon Valley bank essentially had a run on the bank and they lost all their money and they went under. And then the government said they were going to insure all of those deposits. And because the government came out and said that, and because the run happened, the secondary markets reacted, causing interest rates to drop a bunch. Yeah, as basic as possible without being too into the weeds, because a lot of the normal consumers we have wouldn't understand that in-depth stuff, in my opinion. This bank failed. The expectation of investors is that they don't want to make other banks fail. So the Fed may be a little less aggressive moving forward, which caused the mortgage rates to decrease. Yeah. And now they're in actually a a very good spot at six and a half, in my opinion. Roughly six and a half, six to six and a half. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Let's get into the CPI numbers. Can you those came out this morning? Can you give a basic rundown on what they were versus expectation? Oh, me. Who has them? Either of you. Do you got them in front of you? I have them on my phone here. I can, I can pull them up here. <laughs> so the headline inflation rose 0.4 over last month, 6% over prior year, uh, which is a slowdown from January's 0.5 month over month and 6.4 annual gain. It's They say here it's the slowest jump in inflation. The problem here is it, it was expected, so... Right now, we're seeing actually a pickup a little bit within the bond yields. Uh, we're going to see mortgage rates rise today. Uh, but it it's kind of like we've been saying this the last few episodes. It was not bad news. Like, we didn't get destroyed. It's not good news. It's more leaning towards bad, but kind of around the level of expectations. And so the... But the secondary market now is showing that rates are going to increase today. Right now, the 10-year... or The 2 years up... Th- 
uh, 33 basis points. Um, it's pretty big. Yeah, pretty big jump, actually. 10-year Treasury is... It was 12 last time I checked. Yeah, 17 right now. Wow. And 30 minutes, another five basis points. So we're at like 3685 right now on the 10-year. Um, oh, my gosh. It's at 38? 368. 368. Oh, okay. I was like, it was just at 36. Mm-hmm. But it was like four and a quarter. Yeah, I mean, it was mm-hmm. over four as recently as, uh, well, for sure by the March 1st. So within two weeks, it's down quite a bit um but we're going to probably see what you think rates rise a quarter point today mm-hmm. but we we saw them roughly about where it was supposed to come in which is better compared to last month where it was higher than expected it's pretty similar actually i think it's to last similar month. to last month yeah it is compared to expectation though because expectation is the biggest thing in it's here. down it's yeah so it's down to last month so the number was like six and a half last month at six now it's coming down the reality is though is as you get closer and closer to lapping over history the number's going to come down because the activity that's been taking place, you, you can't, if you're putting sixes on top of sixes on top of sixes, you're causing more problems or on top of tens. Um, but because there were such high inflation numbers in the past, you're just lapping over a larger period in the in the past. So these numbers are going to continue to go down over time. The goal they're trying to get to is like 2%. Um, I don't think they're ever going to get back there. To tell you it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, but the six was, it's more trying to compared to expectations because the the variances that you're going to see in the treasury yield returns and the mortgage rate changes are going to be if things are widely diff- wildly different than expectations. If it came in at five, things would be going way down right now because they're saying, okay, the activity, the things that we're doing at the Fed are working uh, more than we expected. They're having a bigger impact. So the Fed's not likely to take as big of uh, swings in the future. But if it came in at seven, they'd be going, oh shoot, the Fed's activity is not doing what we want it to do. Therefore, they're probably going to be even more aggressive in the future um, while once again weighing in all the other stuff that's transpired in the last week. Why do you think they're never going to get back to 2%? Uh, mainly efficiency. I don't. I just don't see it. And labor constraint. I just don't see how they can get back to 2 I think 3-ish will be like the new norm. Interesting. Um, well, that's all we have on the Nerdy Agent podcast today. I hope that wasn't too into the weeds. We will have Brian on here at some point again to talk about the new loan level adjustments coming out. Um, But until then, remember, be better. Bye.